Okay, so our first announcement is from my favorite person in the world. Thank you, Elder Mark. <laughs> um, good morning. I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad that we belong to the Lord together, and we can do that and join with that together. Um, I wanted to make a couple announcements for women's ministry. Uh, one is that the Bible studies... Um, a couple of them haven't even started yet, so you have still time to sign up. Uh, it's all on our website. Uh, there's a couple that are starting in February, so please check that out and um, let us know and that you can join us as well. So our next um, book club is coming up in February as well, and the book that we're doing is called uh, Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. And uh, if that sounds familiar, uh, his brother Gavin... Ortland is the pastor of the Baptist Church down the road here, um, and it's a good book. <laughs> and let me just read a little bit about a uh, little bit about it for you. Um, we learn much in the four Gospels about Christ's teaching, but in only one place do we hear Jesus Himself open up to us His very heart. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And when Jesus tells us what animates him most deeply, what is most true of him, when he exposes the innermost recesses of his being, what we find there is gentle and lowly. And, and he goes on to explain that's kind of kindness and accessibility. Um, who could have ever thought up such a savior? So it's a great book. Um, we're going to have um, our discussion February 19th, 10 a.m. here at the well. So please come and join us. Get the book and come and discuss it with us. Thanks. Thanks, Kath. Um, so I uh, want to just remind everybody about uh, Mexico. We have a Mexico mission trip coming up in May. Uh, and there's going to be a couple of slides, I think, that come up with pictures of some of the past trips that we've done. Um, again, uh, we're starting to take sign-ups. If you have any interest in going, you can come talk to me. There's a sign-up sheet out on the welcome cart. You can go down for half of the week and build one of the houses. You can go down for the whole week and help us build both houses. It's going to be May 8 to 14, and you can see the approximate cost up there. We're hoping that people can sign up by mid-March, so you've got a couple of months to be praying about and thinking about going, and if the Lord puts it on your heart, honestly, I would just challenge you to just, just step out in faith and say, yes, Lord, I'm going to go do this, even if you've never done anything like this before. Sometimes we've taken folks who have literally never been out of the United States. Uh, please, just take a step of faith if the Lord is prompting you to do this, and come join us. We'd love to have you. Um, the last announcement has to do with giving statements. There's a, a little blurb in the bulletin. The bulletins, by the way, are online. They're also out uh, in person. You can get a hard copy out on the table. And um, the giving statements are going to be available today in person and in subsequent Sundays. I will personally be up in the area up front here right after service. If you'd like to come up and get your giving statement for for 2021. I'm happy to give it to you today. You can also have it mailed to you and you can see the uh, instructions to email us with your 
uh, email address, and we're happy to ma mail this uh, statement to you if that's what you prefer. So available today, I'll be up front. Other Sundays, someone else will be available to give them to you in person, or you can let us know if you'd like us to send them to you. So um, I want to introduce our speaker today. Um, I was just thinking, actually, while we were up here praying, uh, read Jolly, and the the word, honestly, that came to me just in listening to kind of how Richie opened this up this morning, Reed is a friend of God. That's who he is as a man. He is a friend of God. I've known Reed. Uh, we were just talking before service. I think we met in the early 80s. Uh, Reed and his brother, uh, Steve, co-founded and co-led, pastored uh, Santa Barbara Community Church in Santa Barbara up until Reed was there till about three years ago or so. So I don't know, do the math, like 40 plus years. Um, Kathy and I started going there in the early 80s until we moved to Ojai, and it was a wonderful church home for us, a place where we were, uh, there was just so many elements of our time there that were foundational to our faith and to our growth in Christ. Um, Reed, as a, as a brother, as a man, as a friend, um, has just engaged so many people with Christ. He was just telling me before, and in, I guess, retirement is essentially maybe where he's at. He is doing so many things in teaching, both here domestically and, Lord willing, if he uh, gets a negative COVID test, he's off to South Sudan on this Wednesday to uh, be involved with a group of people training um, pastors uh, in Sudan in kind of the basics of uh, the Christian life and stuff like that. So a man who is actively, aggressively following the Lord. Um, he's also a dad. He's a granddad. His wife, Lisa, is actually down in San Diego uh, to helping their son and daughter-in-law take care of his seventh grandchild. So, uh, so Reed, again, I just go back to who he is as a man and a brother. He is a friend of God, and we, he's been here before. We love having him as a teacher, and with that, Reed, come on up, brother. Mark, you're not supposed to preach my whole sermon in the introduction, but uh, I have my phone here. This is to tell me not to talk too long, but afterwards, if you give me a dollar, I'll show you a picture of our new granddaughter. <laughs> I might even do it for free. You never know. But uh, it's great to be here. I, I, I have good memories here. My wife, uh, she says, if we move to Ohio, we already know where, what our church is. So uh, thank you for your warm welcome over the seasons. And I didn't know it ever got below 100 in Ohio. This is great. This is, and, and those, you get, you can build a house in Ojai for $600. No, two houses for, they're more expensive in Santa Barbara. <laughs> but uh, a good deal. Well, I, I was supposed to be here on the first Sunday of the year. Was that the sixth, I think, or whatever it was. Yeah, Youth Director Sunday. But, um, but, but you all got COVID, and I got COVID, and we just said, ah, forget it. And so uh, we all stayed home. But I, I'm feeling great. I hope you are, too. I had the, the easiest, shortest little COVID thing. And today, I'm going to get one of those things. I'm going to put it up my nose until it comes out my ear, you know. And, and if that comes back negative, which I, I don't want to be negative, but except in this case, uh, I'll be going off to Africa on Wednesday. So... Praise the Lord, and we'll, we'll see what he has. Well, as we, so pretend like it's the first of the year, okay? Because this is stuff I prepared for you and for myself. 
But, but as we face 2022, I think we would probably all agree um, there's a lot to complain about, even in Ojai. <laughs> uh, inflation, oil prices, gas prices, utility bills going up. If you live in Minnesota, who knows? Might freeze to death. Uh, concern on both sides of the aisle about the cognitive ability of our president. Uh, concern maybe about a repeat of January 6th, 2021. Concern about Iran, Afghanistan, Israel, North Korea, Taiwan, China. Uh, I loved your introduction today about different realities. Uh, a concern about the, the influence and the overabundance of and the power of what we call big tech. And, and the control that, that these folks have in our lives. Con I don't know if you've heard of COVID. Have you heard of that? 19, Delta, Omicron. What's next? Sigma, something like that. On the other hand, I just kind of listed a whole bunch of complaints, and we probably all have our own. On the other hand, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is, at one level, it's an act of defiance. It, it's the, the believer saying, all right, I, we got all that stuff out there, but nevertheless, I'm going to give God thanks. Now, we started the service with uh, a psalm of, that calls us to thanks, and we're going to go to another one in just a minute. But, but I want to hear you, I want you to hear uh, just a, a sampling of the scriptures, a flight, we could call it of the scriptures on Thanksgiving. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you indeed you were called in one body. Here we are called in one body. And Paul says, it just seems out of nowhere, and be thankful. Second uh, Corinthians 4.15, Paul is talking about our suffering and his own suffering that produces in him and in us an eternal weight of glory. And Paul now, talking about his own suffering, he says, my suffering is for your sake, listen, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. You, you hear that? Paul's a suffering missionary. He says, the reason I'm doing it is so that God might get more thanksgiving. Wow. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 11, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us, as we are generous in our giving, will produce, say it for me, thanksgiving to God. A couple of more. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 4, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Colossians 4, 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. One more. Therefore, uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, for you note takers. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. 
All right. Good. Now we're going to go to Psalm 95. If you have a Bible, would you turn to Psalm 95 and just kind of keep your thumb in it and I'm going to recite it for us. I think sometimes it's better to actually just listen to God's word, but we're going to look at it specifically. So keep your Bible open, but for right now, no peeking, okay? Psalm 95, here's what it says. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Now, the voice of the psalm changes, and God speaks. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massa in the wilderness. When your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work, for 40 years I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who have gone astray in their hearts and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And friends, this is the word of the Lord. We can say together, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Okay. Psalm 95, now you can open your Bible. It calls us to glorify God by being grateful to him and placing our faith in him. Now, we're not exactly sure how exactly this psalm fits into the Bible, but most scholars recognize that the psalm was used in the Jewish fall festival of tabernacles, the Feast of Tabernacles. That was a feast, took, just took, still goes on, took place this last September, where the Jews would come to Jerusalem, and they, it's kind of cool, they'd build a little hut, and they'd live in the hut for a week. And during that week-long season of Thanksgiving, it's, a, uh, it's harvest time, it's, a, it's Thanksgiving for the ingathering of the, of the crops. The people daily would meet in Jerusalem in the temple area, and they would sing, and they would dance, and they would feast, and they would drink. Jewish people love to party, and they know how to party. And Psalm 95 was, was part of the daily liturgy for those who came. Well, the psalm does two things. Here's a little outline for us. First, it is a call, obviously, to thankfulness. Verses 1 through the first half of verse 7. And second, the cost of thanklessness. So note the language. Let's look at the first two verses. Four times, let us, 
Let us, let us, let us, let us what? Let us sing, let us make a joyful noise, let us come into his presence with thanksgiving, let us make a joyful noise with songs of praise. We do this together. It's a call to exuberant, party-like, festive worship. So Israel came and lived in physical huts. We come to Christ having dwelt in spiritual huts. We come knowing that we were poor, and he's made us rich. So we, we can have a Feast of Tabernacles every week. Week by week in this room and churches in this town and in Santa Barbara and all over the world, really, we come together to worship with, with what I'm going to call all of the ambiguity of our lives. Maybe you had your first grandchild this week, or in my case, I had my seventh last week. Somebody got engaged. Somebody landed the job that, that, that they've been looking for. That's one side, but then there's the other side. Maybe somebody in this room was diagnosed with cancer this week or, or observed the one-year anniversary of a loved one's death. Or, or maybe somebody you love dearly, husband, wife, father, friend, is showing signs of early-onset dementia. Or maybe you have friends that are leaving the faith altogether. Nevertheless, we give God our grateful thanks for what? For being God. We do these things. We sing. We make a joyful noise. We give thanks, songs of praise. We do these things because they, watch this, they both express and create thanksgiving. This is a really interesting uh, experience. I know you've had it, and you might, you might not know you've had it, but Thanksgiving is a virus, a volatile illustration in COVID times. Thanksgiving is a virus that you can catch from other people. And if you find yourself to be a bit grumpy, just go hang around the most thankful people you know. You'll catch the virus. But watch this. Thanksgiving is a virus that you can catch from yourself. Thanksgiving, it begets more thanksgiving. Thankful people become increasingly thankful people. Now, biblically, the refusal to give thanks is one of the telltale signs of unbelief. Romans 1, remember that, that passage? Paul is kind of giving a biography of everybody. It's a biography of humanity in Romans 1. He says, for although they, all of humanity... They knew God, they didn't honor him as God, or give thanks to him. To not honor God is to not give him thanks, but they became futile in their thinking. That word, futile, worthless. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Foolish? Moros in Greek. Moronic. In English, our hearts become moronic when we won't give thanks. And they exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling, well, human beings and birds and animals and finally insects. They worship the things that we're actually afraid of. Al Mohler, 
said at Thanksgiving time, he says, at Thanksgiving approaches, it is important for us to recognize that there is no more radical, there is no more fundamental Christian act than Thanksgiving. In this sense, Thanksgiving is itself the most deeply theological act we can imagine. Ingratitude in Romans 1 is a summary for our sin, but in contrast, thanksgiving becomes a symbol of a way of understanding what faithfulness looks like because faithfulness always issues in a thankful heart. If you want to measure your faith, measure your thanksgiving. Now, to say what I've just said is to say that Thanksgiving is not an elective in the Christian's life. It's part of the core curriculum. Uh, There are electives and there are gifts. We may or we may not speak in tongues. We may or may not do foreign missions. You can go to Mexico or you don't have to. Uh, You you can show up at the church work day. And if you don't, you're still going to go to heaven. I think. Do you think? (laughs) Maybe. You can read Gentle and Lowly or not. You, it's an elective. It's a great book, by the way. I've read it, and I plan to read it again this year. Uh, there, there are a lot of things we can or cannot do. Thanksgiving is mandatory for every believer all the time. It's not that some believers are discerning and others give thanks. It's not like that. Not that some believers are pastor teachers and others are real thankful people. It's not that some believers are visionary and others give thanks. No, 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 no. Thanksgiving, gratitude in all of us all the time. Now, let me give a little caveat, okay? Uh, Maybe you've come today and, and you are so bedraggled by life itself. Maybe you've had a tragedy this week. Or maybe you've had a tragedy every day for the last 20 years, and you say, it is just so hard to give thanks. I was a pastor for 39 years, Mark, in the same church, and uh, I noticed a lot of times people that had experienced loss, deep loss, they wanted to retreat. Maybe you are like that. Maybe you didn't want to come. You thought, I just want to stay home. And maybe you're at home and you think, I want to turn this thing off because I'm not into Thanksgiving right now. Let me give you a word of encouragement. The Christian man or woman lives, as we've already said, with the great nevertheless. My life is not what I had hoped for. My marriage is not what I had hoped for. My relations are caving in. My health is broken. Nevertheless, I will give thanks to God because he is God. Do you realize what a great gift Thanksgiving itself is? I mean, I've just sort of said Thanksgiving is an obligation, and it is, but it is a tremendous gift to the one who gives thanks. I have a great wife, and I only have one wife. (laughs) Her name is Lisa, and, and Lisa and I like to do a lot of the same things, and one of the things we've done for vacation 
many times is we've gone trekking. And we've done this in the Pyrenees and between Spain and France. And we walked across England from coast to coast, 200-mile walk, and the Dolomites in Italy and the Alps. And, you know, the Lord's just blessed us with these opportunities. And we, we go, we think it's fun to, you know, walk all day and be tired. But that gives you a lot of time to talk. And one day we were walking along and, and you know, you don't always think exactly about what you're going to say. And she, Lisa said, I'm so glad I'm a thankful person. And of course, as her husband, I started to tease her about that. I said, well, what other things about you do you really like? <laughs> but, but she was on to something that's very prof- profound. Thanksgiving is massively enjoyable. I mean, there's, there's a cataract of joy in every human heart, I believe. In the most hardened atheist and in the most devout Christian, there, there's something in us that has joy that, that needs to come out. So in the 19th century, Fyodor Dostoevsky, Russian writer, wrote probably the greatest novel ever written, according to me, but I've only read that one, so I don't know. But the Brothers Karmazov is a long story, and one of the uh, brothers, his name is Ivan, and his, his refrain that goes through the book is, if there is no God... Everything is permitted. But the problem with that is, if there is no God, there is no one to thank. About 50 years after that novel was written, G.K. Chesterton, a British journalist, wrote a book. And he said, the worst moment for an atheist is when he is genuinely thankful, but has nobody to thank. Friends, we have this cataract of joy, and we know where to place it. To the God who made us, to the God who has blessed us. If nothing else, he's blessed us in Christ. We have someone to thank. But, but more than just for Christ, listen to this. Every day of life that we have, every meal that we eat, every moment of laughter, the movement of our limbs, if we can still move them, the groceries in our kitchen, and 10,000 other good things we receive as gifts from God. You remember what Paul said to the Corinthian church? 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, what do you have that you did not receive? It's all a gift. Obama got in trouble in his first campaign when he looked at some business owners and he said, you didn't build that. Remember that? Remember that? We're not going to get into politics, I promise. But as Christians, we can look at our lives and say, I didn't build that. God's been good to me. We give thanks because of God's presence, his goodness, his blessings. James tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from our Father in heaven. The writer of Hebrews says, our lives ought to be marked by a continual offering of a sacrifice of praise. Augustine, 400 years after Christ, said the Christian is one hallelujah from head to toe. All right, is your Bible open? We're going to go through this pretty quickly. The psalm moves from calling us to give thanks to talking about the nature of God. 
Thank God for being God. Why? Well, number one, verse three, he's great. He's a great God. And his greatness and his goodness are closely aligned. So if, if today, as we have set our New Year's resolutions, you think, I can't think of anything to be thankful for, I give you a tip. Start with God. God is good. Remember Moses? He's tired, and he says to God at the foot of Mount Sinai, I want to see your glory. Remember that? And God says, well, if I show you, you'll die. <laughs> the past, he says, I'll show you my backside. Think about it. God has a sense of humor. So Moses goes up the mountain yet again. He goes up seven different times. God passes by. And you know what we read in Exodus 34? The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands. You want to see my glory? God says, let me show you my goodness. Let me show you my love. God is good. Number two, God is primary. Look at verse three. God is more powerful than all the kings, than all the other gods. He's a great king above all the gods. You know, the ancient Near Eastern gods, they were in competition with one another. And the psalmist says with assurance, no, this God, he's above them all. Friends, God is more powerful than the political party you don't like. And he is more powerful than the political party you do like. God is more powerful than the God of modern medicine. He's more powerful than cancer, than heart disease, than COVID-19. He is the Lord, a king above all gods. Third, look at verses four and five. This God is sovereign. You know that word sovereign? You can miss it on a spelling test. S-O-V-E-R-E-I-G-N, okay? What's sovereign mean? It means there's no higher authority. When you appeal a court case with the Supreme Court and lose, you've got nowhere else to go. That's the sovereign court of our country. When you appeal to God, you are appealing to the sovereign God of the universe. Look at what it says. God owns the depths of the earth and the heights of the mountains. Grammatically, a little grammar term for you, if anybody's off on the way to college, this will help you on your uh, SAT tests if you still take those. Uh, it's called a merism. A merism is when you have two contrasting nouns, and it refers to that and that and everything in between. The depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains, he owns it all. And then it's kind of humorous. The sea is his, for he made it. You know, I read through the Bible in the ancient Near East, this, and even today, uh, the sea, the ocean, is thought to be a place of evil and a place of foreboding. And the writer demythologizes that and says, no, we're not afraid of the sea. God made it. He's sovereign over the sea. The point? Nothing is too difficult for God. Nothing. 
Not your portfolio that seems to be running dry, not your unemployment, not the injustice that you believe you have endured. God is sovereign. Fourth and best, he's good, good, great. He's primary, he's sovereign. Fourth, look at verses six and seven, so good. He is personal. He's our God. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. He's our shepherd. There's a document that was written around 1550 that's meant a lot to me. You know, when the Reformation happened with Martin Luther and John Calvin and all those guys, uh, they, they rebelled against the Catholic Church. And then they had to kind of articulate, well, what if we don't believe that, what do we believe? And one of the earliest documents uh, is called the Heidelberg uh, Confession or Heidelberg Catechism. Question 27. It's, It's real easy. You can read it online. Worth your time. It's very good. Question 27. What do you understand by the providence of God? Listen, it's very fun. It's whimsical. God's providence is his almighty, ever-present power, whereby, as with his hand, he still upholds heaven and earth and all creatures, and so governs them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and barren years, food and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, indeed, all things come to us, watch this, not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. That's the God that we worship. There is no such thing as luck in the Christian life. Now, it would be nice if the psalm ended right there. In fact, there are editions of the Book of Common Prayer that omit the second half of the psalm. But we need it. There is this call to thanksgiving and then a warning, the cost of thanklessness. One commentator, Derek Kidner, points out that in all of our lives, there's a a temptation to romanticize the past. Remember how good Christmas was when you were young? And we kind of look back and say, oh, it was so good back then. And so also Israel would have a, a tendency to say, boy, that time in the wilderness, that was when we were really a good church. Back then, you know? But what we learn here is the way that God remembers that time. God remembers Israel's failure of thankfulness. So don't harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massa. What is that referring to? Well, in the book of Exodus, God delivers the people. They cross the Red Sea, remember? Three days later, they come to a little campground. KOA, it's called Rephidim, and they're at the foot of Mount Sinai, or they're getting near Mount Sinai, and they are thirsty. They become so upset that they threaten to kill Moses for bringing them out of Egypt in the first place, and it tells us that the people quarreled and grumbled with Moses. And he tells them, their leader, Moses tells them, no, your ingratitude is really with God. Moses is told to take the elders outside the camp and strike a rock. Moses does this, and the rock produces water, and the people eat and drink. But then we read in Exodus chapter 17, verse 7, 
Moses called the name of the place Massa, which means testing, and Meribah, which means quarreling. Because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? So we might summarize this psalm by saying, the first part says, give thanks to God because the Lord is God. Part two, refuse to give thanks and you will provoke the anger of God. Look at verse 10. God says, for 40 years I loathed that generation. This grumbling in the wilderness was not a small lapse. It it wasn't just a, a miscalculation. No, 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 no. The grumbling reveals a whole generation of unbelieving Jews. And because of their unbelief, they miss the goodness of the promise of God. I mean, the whole passage ends, they shall not enter my rest. And you know the story as well as I do. Everybody 20 years uh, old and older doesn't get to go into the land of promise. And they waste 40 years, 40 good years in the land of promise because of their thanklessness. Well, again, many of us right now are in that thirsty place, aren't we? We've seen God do a work in our lives, but it sure seems like a long time ago. And we've seen God work in the lives around us. We've seen God work in our church at the well. But we're still thirsty right now. And we are tempted to put God to the test. Well, here's last question. Is there anything that we can do to assure ourselves that this will not be the today when we harden our hearts? when we forsake giving thanks, when we give up the notion of gratitude. Oh, it happens, doesn't it? Now, I'm uh, 68 years old, and I, I'm so sorry to say what I'm going to say right now, but I have, in the last couple of years, I, you're not supposed to do this when you're old, but I have numbers of friends who've walked away from the Christian faith. And it's heartbreaking What can I do to ensure that I'm not one of those people? Well, it's right in the psalm itself, and it's so obvious that I'm afraid you're going to think I'm not very smart for pointing it out, but I will. The the antidote to unbelief is thanksgiving. And thanksgiving begins and ends with God. Thanksgiving flows from who God is. It It flows from the blessings that God gives us. From our confidence that God is a faithful shepherd, thanksgiving also ends with God. So how do we press on in 2022? I'm trying to give you the great New Year's resolution today. How do we resolve to be increasingly thankful people? There are three hints in the passage itself. Number one, the passage tells us, let us thank God together. We've already covered this four times in the first two verses. Let us, let us, let us, let us. Verse four, one more time, fifth time, let us. Let us worship and bow down. 
some of us, maybe all of us, have difficulty giving God thanks in our life because our life is painful. And when that happens, we crave aloneness. We should be craving other thankful people. The text tells us, let's do it together. I have a friend. He is in heaven now. His name is Lee Smeads. He was in our, what we called, home groups. And he was in my living room every Tuesday night for about a decade. Lee Smeads had every reason to grumble. He was a widower. He was disabled and, and couldn't work. He had cancer. They cut off his right ear. He was just going through the stages of old age. And he would walk into my living room week by week by week, and we had a little tile entry, and he, he was about this tall. And he'd come in, and he'd say, I am so happy to be here. <laughs> and the man led us in Thanksgiving. It was a disease that we all wanted to catch. We were doing it together. Let's do it together. Number two, let us hear God with a soft heart. You see verse eight, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah. I want you to know something. This is not talking about some subjective experience of hearing the voice of God when you're on a walk in OI. I'm all for that. But this psalm, remember, was used in the liturgy of the Feast of Tabernacles in Jerusalem Everyone in the reading of this psalm was hearing God's voice. The scriptures are the voice of the Lord. So we could over-translate it and say, today, since you hear God's voice, do not harden your hearts. Friends, as we start 2022, let's make a commitment to hearing God's voice in the scriptures daily. You can read the one-year Bible and get nothing out of it, however. So how do we read the Bible? How do we listen to Richie's sermons? With a soft heart. How do we get the soft heart? We ask for it. I read my Bible every morning, and I start every time. I say, Lord, here I am, a miserable little sinner, and you've got to soften my heart so I can hear what you have to say. In other words, I consecrate myself daily. And as we listen to sermons, say, Lord, what do you have for me in this? That's softness of heart. So let's do it together. Let's listen with a soft heart. Third and last, let us thank God as sheep. What? Yeah, that's what the text tells us. We are the sheep. He is, say it for me, shepherd. We are the, a little louder. We are the sheep. He is the shepherd. Yeah, and good sheep trust the, the shepherd. Right, good. As his sheep, following our shepherd, we come under his care, under his providential provision, and under his blood. Blood? Does a shepherd bleed for the sheep? No. But this shepherd, the one that we worship, is also what? a lamb. Do you remember John the Baptist when he saw Jesus? Behold, the lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. This 
lamb voluntarily had his throat slit, we can give thanks. Get this. We can give thanks because this lamb, this shepherd endured a moment of thanklessness. On the cross, Jesus did not say, thank you, Father, this is the greatest day of my life. He didn't say that. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He bled and died so that we could live and give thanks. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so our first announcement is from my favorite person in the world. Thank you, Elder Mark. <laughs> um, good morning. I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad that we belong to the Lord together, and we can do that and join with that together. Um, I want to make a couple announcements for women's ministry. Uh, one is that the Bible studies... Um, a couple of them haven't even started yet, so you have still time to sign up. Uh, it's all on our website. Uh, there's a couple that are starting in February, so please check that out and um, let us know and that you can join us as well. So our next um, book club is coming up in February as well, and the book that we're doing is called uh, Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. And uh, if that sounds familiar, uh, his brother Gavin Ortland is the pastor of the Baptist Church down the road here, um, and it's a good book. <laughs> and let me just read a little bit about a uh, little bit about it for you. Um, we learn much in the four Gospels about Christ's teaching, but in only one place do we hear Jesus Himself open up to us His very heart. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And when Jesus tells us what animates him most deeply, what is most true of him, when he exposes the innermost recesses of his being, what we find there is gentle and lowly. And, and he goes on to explain that's kind of kindness and accessibility. Um, who could have ever thought up such a savior? So it's a great book. Um, we're going to have um, our discussion February 19th, 10 a.m. here at the well. So please come and join us. Get the book and come and discuss it with us. Thanks. Thanks, Kath. Um, so I uh, want to just remind everybody about uh, Mexico. We have a Mexico mission trip coming up in May. Uh, and there's going to be a couple of slides, I think, that come up with pictures of some of the past trips that we've done. Um, again, uh, we're starting to take sign-ups. If you have any interest in going, you can come talk to me. There's a sign-up sheet out on the welcome cart. You can go down for half of the week and build one of the houses. You can go down for the whole week and help us build both houses. It's going to be May 8 to 14, and you can see the approximate cost up there. We're hoping that people can sign up by mid-March, so you've got a couple of months to be praying about and thinking about going, and if the Lord puts it on your heart, honestly, I would just challenge you to just, just step out in faith and say, yes, Lord, I'm going to go do this, even if you've never done anything like this before. Sometimes we've taken folks who have literally never been out of the United States uh, 
please just take a step of faith if the Lord is prompting you to do this and come join us. We'd love to have you. Um, the last announcement has to do with giving statements. There's a, a little blurb in the bulletin. The bulletins, by the way, are online. They're also out uh, in person. You can get a hard copy out on the table. And um, the giving statements are going to be available today in person and in subsequent Sundays. I will personally be up in the area up front here right after service. If you'd like to come up and get your giving statement for 2021, I'm happy to give it to you today. You can also have it mailed to you, and you can see the uh, instructions to email us with your uh, email address, and we'll happy to ma mail this uh, statement to you if that's what you prefer. So available today, I'll be up front. Other Sundays, someone else will be available to give them to you in person, or you can let us know if you'd like us to send them to you.